0: Radio. Conversations with Catholic Voices. Tackling the tough questions with Daniel Noor and Catholic Voices Australia.
1: Hello listeners, my name is Daniel Noor. I'm a young Catholic and a convert to the faith myself. And I do have lots of questions on my mind. I have some confusion, some apprehension some awe and wonder, but as well as that, lots of um, lots of anxiety about some things as well, or at least some anxiety. I have a thirst to get things straight on the major theological, social, political, and moral problems that face the church today. And as such, this is Conversations with Catholic Voices. Cradio, Sydney's seminal network for young Catholics, has given me a representative of the church and have allowed me to just have at it. They couldn't get the Pope. He's very busy these days with the Vatican and all. And so, uh, I will be attacking as it were our Catholic voices, uh, shall we say victim. Daniel Lupi, uh is our victim today, victim slash guest. Uh, she is uh, a mother and she is herself an enthusiastic Catholic woman. Uh, Danielle, how are you going today?
0: Great, right. Thank you, Daniel. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Let's play a game called Myth or Fact. So first I will ask the question, and then I'd like you to tell me, you know, if, if it's true or false, myth or fact, and then we'll have a discussion. How does that sound?
0: Sounds great.
1: All right, well, we're talking about contraception today, which I'm sure none of you would associate with Catholicism. It's so under-discussed. There's a lot of – that's obviously sarcasm. Uh, contraception is a thing – it has always been in the news, but I, I find that it's become kind of blasé and almost caricatured. A poll by the U.S. Spanish language network Eurovision shows that a vast number of Catholics are at odds with the Church's teaching on contraception. In the United States, the poll, um, which is accessible online, if you Google Eurovision contraception or indeed Eurovision Catholic poll, will show that 88% of Catholics surveyed support the use of contraceptives. In the United States, and in Colombia, Brazil, and Argentina, more than 90% of Catholics support the use of contraceptives. When other Christians have a mixed response to this notoriously strict Catholic teaching, and when society merely considers the use of condoms and the pill part of a healthy and responsible enjoyment of sex, tell us why are Catholics just so insistent on this one component of sexual relationships?
0: Well, Daniel, this question has so many components in it, so I'd like to sort of, you know, break it up, if I may, and and look at each one and give it justice. So please do. I think the first thing to say, though, in in um, in light of this whole conversation, is to say that Catholics see marriage and sex in marriage as magnificent. It's the most wonderful gift that we've received from our uh, from our Creator, from our God. And it's a great gift that we can give to our spouse. It's a real celebration, and it's a real celebration of love and joy between the couple um, and celebrating this wonderful gift that we can give to each other. So every, church, every teaching that the Catholic Church has is always founded and built on that deep respect and value for all life. And so therefore Catholics really see marriage and sexuality in marriage as um, this beginning of new life and where a husband and wife really give completely of themselves, that really self-giving, that self-giving love where they freely give of themselves that gift to to one another, not withholding anything back. So Catholics really care for all humanity and want each person to live a really full and happy life, uh, which is what we're all created for. So I think the, the the first thing to, to really exemplify is that Catholics love sex. We see it as a gift and it's a treasure. You, heard, a it,
1: you heard it here first, listeners. <laughs> Catholics love sex.
0: We do, in marriage and with our spouse, we do, very much. And now you mentioned this poll, and I think it's really important to just firstly point out that this poll was um, conducted over 12 countries and uh, interviewed just over 12,000 Catholics. But we must really point out here that, um, Catholics around the world actually make up 1.2 billion people. So if we look at only over 12,000 people interviewed, it's not really a very comprehensive representation of the church and its people and, and their beliefs. Now, having said that, that's okay. It is true, however, that many Catholics don't understand the teachings of the church. And many Catholics don't live them. And that's true. And I think, unfortunately, Catholic, um, Catholic education has, you know, has uh, some part in that with poor formation, poor communication and so forth. Um, but I think it's also our own lack of responsibility, um, to find out and to inquire and, and work out, well, what is this teaching and, and why is it so? And I think maybe some of us are guilty of, you know, following the popular culture and, you know, just living for our own self-interest and our our own um, self-pleasure. So I think, you know, there is some truth in some of the findings of that poll. Mm.
1: Well, Um, they certainly didn't. I mean, there are many Catholics, it's true, but it it is a poll. um, And 88% of Catholics in the U.S. support the use of contraceptives, more than 90% in Colombia, Brazil, and Argentina support the use of contraceptives it's it's not just apathy you know mm. i mean it would be difficult it would be difficult to totally fabricate such conspicuous results
0: no but again it was only a small pool of people that were interviewed mm. but also in these findings if you want to look at it africa came out very highly in in all areas of the poll and you know that's another interesting fact with that poll but I think the thing that that we need to really bring out here is that the teaching of the Catholic Church desires to actually free people and to allow them to have you know a really deep and passionate and incredible intimacy with their spouse. you know so this teaching really allows the couple to work together. Um, it really helps them in their maturity and their in their intimacy and working in the, the natural rhythms of their body and working with God and his will to celebrate. And enjoy that gift of lovemaking. So I think this teaching really calls for a greater maturity from from spouses, and um, you know a real uh, greater self mastery and self responsibility as well. Mm. But the fruit of that, the great thing that you know that, that the Catholic Church really testifies to is that when we can participate fully in the, in the Church's teaching on sexuality, the fruit that we get from that is actually a greater trust and intimacy with our spouse. And so therefore we have a greater happiness in life and a greater joy. So I think the critic, like you pointed out in your question, you know, the, the, the critic will often uh, use words like strict. You know, why, why is this a strict, you know, part of the, the Catholic teaching? And I, I think they see it as strictness because I think many, many of us unfortunately have fallen into that culture of, um, you know, self-pleasuring. And in, an instant pleasuring, and at call pleasuring. So you know, the thought of having to abstain, or you know, actually look, work at you know cycles and, and and looking at the woman's cycle and so forth. Um, we don't have that time. We don't have that you know that uh, energy to do that. And I think that they that you know they don't want to connect reproduction with sexual intercourse. You know, they don't want that responsibility. They they want to disengage it and so therefore it's you know just wanting sex for our own personal um, sort of pleasure but catholics see sexuality as pleasurable and as really enjoyable and important unity you know that connects the spouses but we also see it as a possibility of new life we don't disengage the two and i think that's really important to point out
1: danielle you said that catholics see sex as more than just being about pleasure
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but isn't sex, and this is uh, would relate, for example, to the couple who can't conceive or uh, the older couple, I mean, in that case, is sex linked to reproduction? And if not, why can't sex just be about pleasure?
0: Well, in these specific cases, the older couple and the infertile couple are still open to life. It wasn't their choice you know, that, that reproduction didn't take place. Um, and in the older couple, well, the way that the, our Lord has designed our body, we do come to a natural progression where we are, you know, infertile.
1: Unless you're the wife of an Old Testament patriarch, in which case, you well, know. that's amazing. <laughs> that could happen, you know.
0: <laughs> Surprise. That's miracle. And, it, and it is possible. All things are possible with God. That's true. So I think that's the the, the distinct the distinction here is is it's our intent. Mm. And I think that, you know, a person that is truly living the teachings of the church, which are the teachings from Christ and, and our Lord, and we, we are just custodians of those teachings to pass them on, that when we fully enter into that mystery, you know, we, we enter into God's will. And it may be that God's will is that we don't um, procreate. And so we can still enjoy the lovemaking and knowing that we're following the teachings of the Church, even though if it doesn't end in in, um, reproduction.
1: Mm. Right. Well, in a 2009 debate about the Catholic Church, British comedian Stephen Fry captured the feelings of many members of the public uh, with his statements that the Catholic... And I happen to love Stephen Fry, but he was um, not at all subtle when he said that the Catholic Church is obsessed with the topic of sex. Uh, this is a quote, you can find the uh, debate which was very much in favour of the Hitchens-Fry team online on Intelligence Squared the debate, the Catholic Church is not a force for good, the whole thing is on YouTube. This is his quote, the celibacy, the nuns, the monks, the priesthood, this is not natural and normal ladies and gentlemen in 2009, it really isn't, I'm sorry. Do Catholics talk too much about sex?
0: Well, I think when Catholics talk about sex, they talk about its beauty and about the life-giving gift that it is. And they also talk about the unity and the strengthening of the love between the husband and wife. So they talk about it in the respect of uh, being a gift and a celebration and uh, talking about it in the sense of responsibility and self-mastery. And I think when the critic talks about Um, Sex. they'll often condemn the church and its truths, And they mock the church and they, you know, make judgments. So I really think, um, you know, it's the um, non-Catholics or the non-church people that are the ones talking all about sex, really. Mm. And I think that the thing to really point out here is I think that people that that seem to be um, obsessed with talking about sex or criticizing the church and its teachings about sex, Are often people that make sexuality so much more bigger than it has to be or so much more paramount. Um, And we can see this, you know, happening in same sex relationships. We can see this just recently in Melbourne, Melbourne, where they're really encouraging the AFL footballers, you know, who are gay to to come out and, and tell, you know, the world about their sexual preferences. But I think this is really distinctly different in the Catholic Church because we see that people are a whole person and that they're made up of many parts and many gifts and many attributes and so their sexuality is only actually one small part of that whole creation
1: that that is true that i mean the question though is about well does the catholic church disproportionately uh, emphasize this element of human life and, and now daniel you said that it was the critics of the church who seemed to be obsessed about this but that, that i mean that's that's just a game of of hearsay. There's no way of ascertaining. A critic will say, no, it's you guys who bring it out of proportion. And then you, then a Catholic might say, well, no, that that's not the case, but true or false. The human race, you know, has not needed any guidance on how to go about making babies. If it did, then we would have all fallen out of the evolutionary loop a long time ago. So why does the Catholic church feel the need to constantly speak about this issue? Issue, I say issue, but, you know, about human behaviour.
0: Well, I think you raise a good point. Like, in the beginning, you know, of humanity, you know, before religions and before governments, people saw, humanity saw that a man and a woman that were together and committed and brought forth life, you know, brought forth happiness and joy and flourishing to their community. And so they protected that and they upheld that institution, let's say. And then over the many millennia, uh, the church and governments have taken that to see that this is something that's good for humanity, that when a man and a woman are faithful to one another and therefore bring forth life, they bring forth, you know, great communities, they bring forth happiness and joy. And it's only actually in the last real 50 years since the introduction of contraception, that we can see that that ideal or um, that wonderful institution that has served society really well is, is under threat, is under attack, and we can see the ripple effect that these contraceptions have had, you know, a rise in adultery, a rise in divorce, a rise in uh, pregnancies out of marriage, a rise in sexual behaviour before marriage, a rise in young girls becoming pregnant, a rise in abortion and so on that the Catholic Church has had to um, bring forth its teachings of truth because we have to you know, shed some light that here yeah, we're going down a path that is actually a path of destruction and that won't bring you know, that, that true sense of fullness of life and joy.
1: Con- so Contraception- we,
0: answer, we answer when we're, when we're asked and we, we try to bring forth the truth of these teachings.
1: Contraception has been a part of human societies for a long time people might
0: say.
1: Yeah. I know Egyptians, for example, had certain kinds of contraceptives. And so the, and also the other thing is there's always been talk of, of moral panics, you know, like, Oh no, our children, but every generation has its own moral panics. Like, Oh no, our children are going wild. You know, they were saying that, um, when Elvis started moving his hips, and they were saying that you know in they say that every every generation has its own kind you know be it rock or, or rap or whatever it is everything is is to be made kind of an end of the world what, what are you are you saying that the catholic church has needed to ramp up its vocality about its vo- its its loudness uh, about it, its this issue because the things are getting worse
0: I think the the church has always proclaimed these teachings, but maybe through yeah the, the I think the greater effect that contraception is having on our society and our whole well-being um, as a na- as a nation, I think the church has had to probably be more vigilant in announcing the, these teachings in truth, but I think especially since theology of the body, which was by our um, our newly saint. John Paul II, I think that we've tried to um, pronounce the truths in a different way, that probably uh, are more, you know, understanding to, to the public and um, really explain the beauty um, of this of these teachings of fidelity and, you know, sex in marriage mm. and that openness to life. Uh,
1: listeners, you're here with uh, conversations with Catholic voices. Today I'm talking to Danielle Lupi. Uh, about uh, contraception and why this constant cause of, you know, certainly in our modern era, seemingly uh, stable f- force for tension and, and almost to the extent now that it has become really kind of a non-event. Just we take it for granted that the Catholic Church is just going to be fuddy-duddy about sex. Uh, why? Why it's coming back into the news? Uh, Daniel, Catholics claim that sex is a good thing. Uh, and you you said that yourself, uh, was it the theology of the body that you mentioned was talking about the beauty of sex again?
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Well, part 2632, and I I have the number of the catechism, uh, says that sexuality is a source of joy and pleasure. It says that in passing uh, on that part of the catechism. Yet simultaneously the church insists on a whole raft of prohibitions. If sex is good for us, why does the church sometimes seem hostile to it?
0: I think, again, sex is very good for us personally but also for the flourishing of all humanity. And so when it is only between a husband and wife and is practiced with that responsibility and dignity, we can see, you know, the, the happiness and true joy um, of people can, can be really exercised. You know, the church is never hostile towards sex. However, it is passionate in its teaching of the truth and its determination to reveal the abuse and, and mistreatment that's uh, often occurring presently in, in um, our society's sexuality. Again, the church is against many things, but only because it's, it's for so much more that, you know, there's so much that the church wants to enhance and to protect. And almost everything that the church says is because it wants to call people to a deeper fullness of life and health and sustainable prosperity. And so the church is, is actually not a grim-faced policeman, which I think the critics try and paint us to be, but it's actually like a Mother Teresa, you know, really tending to the world's forgotten and, and ailing people. And I think that the experience of, of prayer and of reflection on Scripture and centuries of actual deep immersion into um, human struggles and, and suffering has actually made the church an expert, you know, in humanity. And so the church offers, you know, various signposts along the way to really help people to know where the wrong terms and dead ends may, may be um, on, their, on their way to, you know, true flourishing and, and to live a life, you know, to its fullness. So I think, you know, as I said before, even before established religions and governments, society saw, you know, the marriage between two people and, and, and its human flourishing and bringing forth life as, as something to protect you know, and really enhance. And, you know, the church obviously agrees with that. And I think, as I said, the church has had to become more vocal after the last 50 years because we're seeing the effects that, you know, um, a contraceptive society is is having. You know, um, I remember reading, like, when in the 1930s, when uh, before that all Christian churches were um, united in their teaching of contraception, um, but in 1930, the Anglican Church decided mm. to to bow down to to the pressures of society. Yes, I
1: I, w- I was hoping to ask you about that because yeah. Catholics um, are not completely representative of a Christian consensus on this
0: issue. Not anymore. Before 1930, they were totally uh, unified in this teaching. But since 1930, gradually the the Christian the other Christian churches have
1: have decided to change it or to not talk about it sorry Or, or perhaps not to talk about it in the same way because it's not just that there are churches who disagree but perhaps others for whom this is not a talking point in the same way that it is for the catholic church perhaps the eastern orthodox for example might not bring the same emphasis or perhaps the same noise level of noise to this topic would that be i'm not sure if uh, all Eastern Orthodox, uh, you know, perhaps spokespeople might agree with me there, but I I dare say that the Catholic Church is the one to be associated with contraception.
0: Well, I think the world actually does look towards the Catholic Church and I, I think that's a fact that, you know, Pope Francis, you know, is seen as, as a strong um, person to look up to and to receive, you know, advice and wisdom from. Many leaders go and seek his uh, personal audience that this is something to, you know, to really be proud of and to, you know, state as a fact, that the world does look to the Catholic Church for answers. Um, yes, we receive much criticism, but we also receive much, um, you know, I think, respect. Uh, and I think that we receive that respect because we have um, been a lone voice, you know, since since Christ to carry on his teachings, as I said earlier where, you know, the Catholic Church is, is the custodian to these treasures and these teachings and truths from Christ. And, um, you know, we must uh, pursue and we must move forward and persevere. And I think uh, it's really important to point out that at the time uh, in 1930 when the Anglican Church decided to, you know, change their view on contraception and allow it, that many Catholics and Protestants and non-Catholics all predicted what would therefore be the outcome. And what they predicted was social chaos and they predicted marital breakdown and divorce. And many prominent thinkers of that time went on to say, like for example Gandhi said, they will make man and women reckless. Nature is relentless and will have full revenge for any such violation of her laws. As it is, man has sufficiently degraded woman for his lust. And contraception, no matter how well-meaning the advocates may be, will still further degrade her. And Freud went yeah. on to say, we actually describe a sexual activity as perverse if it has given up the aim of reproduction and pursues the attainment of pleasure as an aim independent of it. And we can see from Pope Paul VI, who actually predicted, you know, so beautifully that the widespread and unrestrained use of contraception, and this is what he warned how wide and easy a road would thus be opened up towards infidelity in marriage and the general lowering of morality. And then he goes on to say that it's also feared that the man, growing used to the employment of contraceptive devices and practices, may finally lose respect for the woman and no longer caring for her physical and psychological equilibrium, may come to the point of considering her as a mere instrument of selfish enjoyment and no longer as his respected and beloved companion. So these are Catholic and non-Catholic thinkers at that time that were predicting what the consequences of a contraceptive society would be. And as we can see in 2014, they are right. We have such enormous problems which are Directly or even indirectly a result of contraception
1: a Report I mean it, it, culture aside then We are uh, heard recently from the UN Actually, this is an ongoing uh, source of complaint From them that the Catholic Church has not been great for their uh, world health policies so the UN Population Fund uh, released a statement called Contraceptives Save Lives, and uh, it can be read online. It can easily be found. It's actually at web.unfpa.org, web.unfpa.org. This is the uh, direct quote. In industrialized countries where most women have access to contraception, skilled care and emergency obstetric care, deaths owing to pregnancy and childbirth are rare. However, every minute, somewhere in the world, a woman dies in pregnancy or childbirth, and 20 more suffer disability. The report then goes on to show that children who have lost their mothers are up to 10 times more likely to die prematurely than those who haven't. However, Pope Benedict in 2009 outraged World Health Agencies with his statements that contraception might make the HIV crisis worse, uh, in Africa certainly. Has the Church placed its dogmatic beliefs in this regard above people's lives? And if so, how can it account for this injustice?
0: You know, it's not the pregnancy or the child that are the cause and the problem. And yes. all, we, all we have to do is look at um, the availability to basic medical care and education, the division of resources and the monetary assistance that's offered and the government structures which care for their, their citizens. We can often see in many countries, you know, there is gross neglect in this. And this is actually the cause of why many women, as you pointed out, um, 20 more, that cause of their death and and their children. So it's, it's not the availability of contraceptives that will do it. It's actually if we cared more for each other, provided better services, better training, better education, Put more monetary resources, that we would see less deaths in this.
1: And, and I'll just, I'll just add, if if not for deaths in childbirth, please speak then to the problem of HIV.
0: Yes, please. So Pope Benedict was actually stating a fact when he said that, even though it didn't come across in that way, because we can actually see in many countries that advocate condoms to, you know, to reduce this suffering have actually not worked. And there was actually an experiment done in Uganda. And in 1986, the Ugandan president at that time realised his country had an enormous crisis with HIV AIDS. And after years of wars and displacement, of of, um, pillage and rape, the country was, you know, just entrenched with HIV. So he called a nationwide response. And what he did is he actually called upon bishops he, co- he called upon health professionals, and he called upon small community groups. And together they devised a program, and it's known as ABC. A standing for abstain, B for be faithful, and C, all wear condoms. Okay. So he went about to educate and to change his his country. Yes, I,
1: we, this ABC program is is, mm-hmm. um, is a well-known case study, isn't it? So this is Rwanda, is that right?
0: No, Uganda.
1: Uganda, my mistake.
0: Now, what happened was that Ugandans actually never took to condoms. They, they just didn't have an affiliation towards them. So the president, in his speeches, and through, you know, rippling right down to the curriculum in schools, um, really stressed the importance of um, waiting, so abstain, uh, waiting to have sex with your spouse, and not grazing, or in other words, uh, being faithful, you know, fidelity. Now, at the height of the AIDS epidemic in Uganda, it was at around 21.2%. But after the AB, so the abstain and the be faithful message that went right through their country, that figure dropped well down to 6%. And what's more in this, um, what's really interesting in this experiment was that the countries that bordered Uganda, um, where they really promoted condoms as the effective um, you know, reduction in HIDs and HIV and AIDS and also in, you know, protection, um, they actually saw a rise in AIDS suffering. So for example, Zimbabwe was at thirty two percent and Botswana was at thirty eight percent. And what's more is their numbers are actually still increasing, whereas Uganda's numbers are still decreasing. So further to this we can see that Uganda has actually reported reduction in AIDS suffering but they've also reported that men and women are abstaining from sex before marriage and that marriage rates have increased quite dramatically and they're getting married a lot younger as well. Sexual promiscuity has declined and fidelity in marriage has risen. The divorce rates and the infidelity has also dropped. So this model that we can see demonstrates that people's attitude towards sex is actually what can cause the effective response to this crisis. Giving condoms actually encourages the behaviour. It it gives permission to the behaviour. And so therefore further infections happen, uh, reinfections happen, and the increase of the rates just keeps skyrocketing. So I think we can really learn from this that the the church again in its – you know, 2,000 and, and even longer history of, of knowing the struggles of humanity is really an expert and, and shows great wisdom. They look further and deeper to the cause of problems. They don't just try and find a band-aid solution that continues to pr- to deprive humanity of true joy and freedom. The church is really authentic in its deep love for all humanity and mm. care of people and wants them to have a really full and happy life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, but the the, the church is primarily a religious institution and the people on the ground are health workers. It's not in the business of the church. Is it to make statements about, you know, the statistical effectiveness of certain ways of having sex and contraception certainly does. I mean, obviously it can't heal anything, but the risk of HIV infection can be reduced through the yes the careful use of condoms i don't think anyone would doubt that was it responsible i mean oh, life policies aside the the church's teachings aside was it responsible for the pope to make those statements considering the great epidemic that africa faces
0: well i think the first thing to point out is the majority of people working on the ground in africa are catholics <laughs> It's the Catholic missions, it's the nuns and priests that are actually on the ground in the ramshackle huts in Africa actually uh, caring for and ministering to these people. So I think that they're pretty much a really great guarantee to listen. And what they're seeing, you know, on the ground is that changing people's attitude towards sex and towards our fellow human being, not seeing them as something to possess and to use for your own self-interest, but seeing them as something to give dignity and value and respect to, that in this change of attitude and this change of, um, you know, bring dignity uh, and life to yourself as well through not, you know, allowing yourself to be used by others, that this is where the reduction has happened. No contraception is 100%, you know, um, protective. And condoms split and tear and are not put on and... Uh, you know, are expensive and so forth, and so you can't guarantee that it will be used and it will be used effectively. And so, if we're giving the message to Africans, yeah, go go ahead, keep being promiscuous, keep you know using one another in this way, we're not going to uh, give them the message of how to actually decrease this crisis.
1: Mm. Uh, Pope Francis has said, Danielle, that, uh, and listen as I, before we just charge on like a steam train, you should know we are listening to conversations with Catholic Voices. And uh, Daniel Lupi of Catholic Voices is joining me today. Our topic is contraception. Uh, Pope Francis has said that we must, and uh, we're thinking about this, you know, just to kind of summarize now the church's response to this issue. Is it a new time for the church? He has said that we must concentrate less on dogma and more on connecting with our communities. What will this mean for the way Catholics teach sexual ethics?
0: You know, this is a really great question, and I think it really typifies the papacy of Pope Francis and a real uh, new evangelization that's happening in the church, which is, which is really exciting. And I think that Catholics will teach sexual ethics with conviction, and they'll attract others to this teaching and truth, by actually living the truth themselves, that the only way that we can effectively teach or uh, evangelize or witness is actually to live it ourselves. So I think in the future, and it's presently happening now, Catholics will teach by example. And it's through this, um, you know, living by example, this best way of evangelizing, that people actually feel less threatened and are more actually open to, you know, to listening. And when they're witness to this truth and they see this truth coming through you and and the joy that comes through you, they're they're actually attracted by this and this is where conversion can happen. So I think for Catholics our mission from now on as Pope Francis is really encouraging each of us to do is actually to shed light, to shed light where there's currently darkness and and confusion. Our mission is to actually share this good news that's not just ours to have, it's for the world and for all all humanity to receive. And our mission is like that Good Samaritan, you know, that Good Samaritan that binds up the wounds, that embraces and lifts and takes the person to Jesus. So I think if every Catholic can have that mission, can have that goal, then people are going to actually encounter, when they encounter us, they'll actually encounter the compassion and love of Christ. And I think that's what Pope Francis is calling us to do, the new evangelization.
1: Mm. When Catholics themselves are often confused or have been practising, you know, just against what, what the church teaches, when they've been doing the wrong thing as far as the church is concerned, is there a reformation issue at hand?
0: I think, firstly, yes, we need to um, continue talking to everyone, and that includes our own church, and I think that, unfortunately there has been poor formation and i and i'm guilty of that i think for many years although i never used contraception you know i didn't have that full understanding of the gift of sexuality and it's only through reading things like theology of the body and you know being witnessed to by other great catholics you know that have that are living this teaching that i've you know been transformed and again i've been excited i've seen their joy i've seen their passion i've seen what I've seen most is the, the deep connection that they have with their spouse. Mm-hmm.
1: And that Theology of the Body was John Paul II's, is that right?
0: That's right, Yeah, the and Theology of the Body. On, on um, human
1: sexuality, kind of a uh, seminal kind of work on human sexuality?
0: Yes, it is. And it, it really looks at, you know, um, the intention of, of God um, in giving us this gift of our spouse, becoming that one flesh and um, that total self-giving love you know, that we pour our whole um, being as a gift to the other. Um, and contraception, you know, interferes with that. It's, it it uh, stops and, you know, rejects the fertility of the other. And I think what, I, what, you know, what really transformed me when I, when I um, looked at other couples is I saw that they had this joy in their sexuality and they had this joy in knowing the woman's cycle together and planning, you know, knowing when it was a fertile time and when it wasn't and looking forward to that time when, you know, um, they could make love to create life and, you know, and and share in that, that beautiful creation with, with God as well. Or that time where they, you know, wait up, maybe this isn't a good time for our family, you know, for, for situations or whatever. So we won't have sex in this fertile time, but we'll look forward to it in, you know, in a few days. And what I saw in these couples is a great maturity, you know, and that, and they just had this, you know, self-control. And I think that's what really attracted, you know, me. So I, I think, you know, that, that's the formation mm. that we need to give to our fellow Catholics.
1: So, so self-control is attractive now. This is uh, a new thing, I think, I think, as far as the world is concerned, or certainly as I'm concerned. Self-control so often seems to be the hallmark of the sexually frustrated
0: yeah, I think when um, when you see your own uh, needs as paramount to another or you see another as an object to possess or to use, then it is very hard to understand or to grasp that notion of self-control or self-mastery. And I think this is where prayer and reconciliation and healing needs to take place, you know, to... To have new eyes uh, for ourselves and, and for for the other. Mm. And I think we can see that there's so much evidence now of where when there is lack of self control in our world, how much um, you know chaos and how much sadness and how much suffering is caused from that. And not only in the sexual realm, but you know, in alcoholism and um, you know, in, in in other areas as well. So Yeah, this may be new to some people, but I think it's actually maybe a key that can really unlock, uh, for people on, on a better path to, you know, to happiness and to joy.
1: Danielle, we thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think it's, I think it's challenging to claim that we have a perspective problem and not to make it just, you know, the problem of rappers and the porn industry, and men's magazines, but actually a, a kind of an endemic social problem. If I heard it, and, and even now when I hear it as a Catholic, it seems kind of presumptuous. But I guess this is the great challenge, isn't it, that we uh, pose, which is that we need to change the way we think about sex as a society. Is that fair?
0: Uh, absolutely. I think that... You know, one of my greatest prayers is actually a healing of sexuality in our world and a healing of the relationship between men and women. Because I think much suffering that we all encounter in our world is a direct result of these two things. And I think that if, as a, you know, as a nation and as a world, we can transform these two things, we will see um, greater joy and less suffering. And I am really proud to be part of the church that is standing up for the for these ideals and these truths and is not backing down. And I'm really happy to be part of that and, and to you know be a person that can hopefully shed that light and, and spread that, that message of truth.
1: Well, listeners you've been uh, you've been enjoying Catholic voices. Uh, this is me talking to Catholic representatives of the church's teachings on the major theological, social and moral problems of our day. Uh, There are plenty more wonderful programs that you should be listening to uh, here on Cradio, uh, and you can find them online. Uh, We thank you so much for your time. We thank you, Danielle.
0: You're welcome. God bless you all and to all your listeners. Thanks, Danielle. You've been listening to Conversations with Catholic Voices. For more episodes, go to cradio.org.au.
1: To find out more about Catholic Voices Australia, head to catholicvoices.org.au.
0: Cradio.org.au.